Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello everybody and welcome to the show, made possible by our friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Well today we're joined by a cycling champion turned successful administrator and businesswoman. Tracy Gaudry is a two-time Olympian and multiple national champion whose dedication and sacrifice saw her win a World Cup and rank inside the top three cyclists in the world. And like she did on two wheels, Tracy's often been first in her administrative career as well. First female president of the Oceania Cycling Federation, first female CEO of an AFL club, along with a stack of roles in community and for-purpose organisations. She is the definition of having been there and done that. Indeed, there isn't much Tracy Gordry hasn't done. Tracy, hello. Welcome. Thanks so much for your time. Hi, Sam. And, I've, and what I haven't done a lot of is sit still so this is a good opportunity <laughs> well we'll get to that in a moment because just on the chairs that you've sat in up until last year you were charged with obviously leading victoria's first uh, agency dedicated to the prevention of family violence and violence against women that was respect victoria but now you ceo of com unity plus services now this is relatively new for you but what does this involve what this means is community plus services is short for community plus Community Plus is a uh, for-purpose organisation which is focused on delivering at the grassroots and ground level what Respect Victoria set up, which is prevention of violence against women and family violence and overcoming, helping individuals overcome disadvantage and adversity. So we deliver coal-faced services to the western region of Melbourne and Victoria, which is a population catchment area of about a million people and non-English speaking backgrounds, low levels of um, socioeconomic status and it's an enabling organisation. So it's one of the things that, you know, 25 years ago is where do I want to end up? Um, one of those things is to be making a difference in everyday lives. And this is pretty much where it's up to. And I have the capacity to do that now. And what about family life? That keeps us all busy. Those of us that have our own families, I'm sure that's a full-time job in itself as well. You've got three, it, three it kids? Is, yeah, three teenage kids, 14, 16 and 18. And uh, I remember when the children were very young, um, a female professional said to me, make the most of the capacity you've got now. And I went, what? There's no capacity because when they get older, it actually just gets more um, from taxi driving to emotional guidance to supporting their own lives. And frankly, part of the reason people who might have observed I've stepped back from some of those international roles is to be able to spend more time on the ground here at home in Australia, in Victoria, focusing on the things that matter in the lives of the people that I'm that I'm either living with, who who were my offspring, but family, friends, and communities. So that's where we're at at this point in time. Now that's your kids. What about Tracy Gaudry as a kid? Where did you grow up? What was childhood like for you? So I'm a Gippsland-born uh, person in Victoria. For those who are Victorian or know Australia, um, quite far east in Australia, and 
quite a remote region. Uh, grew up in that in Geelong. So I'm a country kid at heart. And so when I was traveling around the world, fortunately with cycling, um, it was the DNA of being outside, being in the countryside, because as many of the listeners would, would know and viewers, cycling and road cycling is out on roads anywhere, anytime. So I've had, you know, all of it coming together. Here I am now living in Melbourne, um, but I can't wait every weekend to get out on my bike or to go down to Geelong to see my family. Uh, that's where I was. And, you know, 50 years later, uh, I'm back in my, my birth state again. Let's pin you down for a second. Is it early years in your lawn? Is that right? Early years in your lawn, and then which is now a power station. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then my major part of my youth upbringing was in Geelong. And then after that, the next, you know, 25 years was was everywhere. Mum and dad, what did they do? So mum was a, was a uh, what do we call, home carer. She was um, a migrant from the Netherlands after World War II. Uh, and part of that settlement in Australia where, where many millions of people came out to flee the you know the adverse effects of the Second World War. A lot of Dutch communities set up in Australia. My father is a um, a true and blue Aussie. Worked on the farm and a mechanic. Um, both are retired now and uh, living a quiet, um, healthy life. Very fit, healthy human beings. And I guess I'm you know part of that offspring. And my three children. I'm really pleased to say, very fit, healthy, and you know focus on uh, uh, putting good things into their body and doing good things with their bodies. Great to hear. Let's skip forward. So 1989. I think. You're 20 years of age, you're studying, you've got a couple of part-time jobs, a social life that goes with it, you're any normal 20-year-old, except you receive the sort of medical diagnosis no one can prepare for. What happened at this point in your life, Tracy? So you hit it in, you know, just hit the nail on the head, that time of life as a, as a you know, a, a, um, a blossoming into adulthood, which goes forever, as we know, <laughs> uh, where you've got, all, you've got all guns firing and you're pushing the limits, you know, studying, working partying, socialising, uh, being part of a family, um, burning burning every candle you possibly can because you know at some stage some things will slow down and you'll settle. Uh, had a great time, was having a great time and I was nearing the end of my third year exams at university. I was doing two degrees at once just because what else can we add into the mix? Jeez. And I remember um, vividly that last part of semester you know, I was I was literally stumbling. You know, I was I was feeling unwell. I had a had a crook back. I was a fit, healthy human being. I wasn't an athlete at the time, mm. but you know, I was one of the ones that my cohort would say, "Yeah, well, she can she can burn the candle every end because she's a very resilient human being." Um, my back was in agony. My ribs felt like they were crushing. Um, I couldn't stay awake, and I'd stop partying because it was coming up to exam time. Um, and I had a lump in my neck. And so this is the message for all of the everyone out there. If you notice something abnormal, don't wait. You know, don't wait for it to get bigger. And I was a young person, fit and healthy in every other way, but all of a sudden everything said, no, no, you've got to read these warning signs. Went to the doctor. Uh, he immediately uh, expressed the word cancer. Didn't wait, no tests. He said, you know, just prepare. When you go and get this blood test, we're probably not going to be talking about something fun and friendly. Uh, went away, did the test. That was a Friday, next day on a Saturday. For all of those students out there, I lived in a student house. It was a really average house. Um, paid 25 bucks a week rent, so you'll know what that, that standard would be like back then. Yep. There's a knock at the door on a Saturday morning, and it was my doctor. Now, whenever does a doctor do a house call? Wow. So that was the message that basically said, uh, you know what we discussed yesterday? You more than likely have leukemia, and the journey starts now. Stopped in your track. Yeah. So isn't the great news that I'm still here there's three kids and there is a, a very full life uh, that journey over that 
two-year period from then was like a jail sentence when you didn't where you didn't know if you were going to come out alive I did uh to the thanks of the of modern medicine and a wonderful bunch of people around me and some resilience as well of course uh but none of these things happen by themselves and so you know I'm grateful to be able to do what I'm doing and adding value in different ways uh, are those two years a, a blur for you now looking back I mean the chemo the hospital visits the surgery the long stints in care I mean how did does it come easily to mind or is it something that you've buried back in the recesses of your mind? Oh, it's not. You, you can't bury because it was so, um, uh, it was just so palpable. Um, many people who are listening and watching have, have experienced cancer um, and know someone. We all know someone. The harsh fact is leukaemias and acute lymphatic leukaemia is one of the, the cancers that 30 years later, it's still a two-year chemotherapy course every single day. So there was not a day off in two years and not a day off where you weren't suffering the side effects of a particular treatment or planning for the side effects of the next one. So it was a cyclic approach. So you actually knew what was coming. You knew what was going to happen to your body. And so that mental um, resilience to be able to withstand what you know is coming was almost as hard as what was going on at the time. Um, so I guess if there was already a resilience at that stage, we got it in spades over that period of time. Very fortunate to have, you know, the physical and mental and emotional strength. But importantly, I cannot underestimate trusting the system, mm. um, doing what you need to do and rely, allowing yourself to rely on friends and family to help you because if, if now's the time to accept help from others um it's it's now very fortunate i saw many young people not make it uh and i still remember so you said is it a blur no it's not you can see how vivid it is i still remember many times just thinking can i give them 10 percent of whatever value and benefit i have whatever's whatever cards are playing on my side can they have 10 percent of them um so i can be sicker and they can get there, but we'll both get there. Yeah. You know? um, These are people so that, that you're, you're meeting along the way, obviously. Yeah, people you're meeting, people in the same ward as you, uh, people you'd go to visit because you found out about them um, and just happened to be a spade of young people in their late teens, early 20s. Um, and it's like, wow, what can we do? Because I can give a bit of my good health and good fortune and I don't know I'll still get there. Uh, that was the hardest part, knowing that not everybody makes it um, and we rely on modern medicine and a advancements and treatments to help us and the expertise of you know the the medical practitioners and research and you know the more we can invest in research uh, please do so and I, I am an ambassador for Tour to Cure which invests in cancer research uh, one of the things I do to you know to, to find a way to give back to those who've mm. helped me along the t- along the way. Oh indeed indeed uh, you're listening to This Is Your Journey and it's all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals a family-owned business since 1934. Well happy and healthy again Tracy takes part in a mass participation bike ride that lights the spark for an incredible rise to the top of the sport. That's after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Visit tobinbrothers.com.au Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Visit tobinbrothers.com.au Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, it's great to have your company on This Is Your Journey, made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We're chatting to dual Olympic cycling star and successful administrator Tracy Gordry. Tracy, did cancer lead you to cycling? 
Can you link the two? Uh, absolutely and directly. Um, two years of chemotherapy, uh, I was in remission. All that was left was to go back for tests every year, uh, but to stay relatively close to the system so they could track me and, and then to see what my body could do after that. I didn't know at that time whether I could have children, you know, because you, there's just nothing left of your system. So I was medically, I was medically well, but I was physically and mentally unhealthy. You know, I was exhausted from the process. I'd not invested in my physical health, in fitness and well-being for two years. And I was already, after that period of time, I I graduated from my two degrees. I was starting a master's degree. I was working full time as a lecturer and and this is I'm 23 now and I set up one day and went well I'm heading I'm heading right down the wrong pathway uh, to being a young person who's going to bury themselves by trying to make up for lost time it's time to take some time out and breathe get healthy again have some fun you know pick up on the lost fun time so I said to a friend who was a co-lecturer and Jeff Beckworth I owe a lot of a lot to who was a lecturer at Deakin University and Deakin University thank you gosh, I've got to lighten up a bit. And he said, okay, what do you want to do? I said, well, I need to go on a holiday. It needs to be outside. I need to get fit and healthy. It's got to be social. And uh, I'm not one who just lies on a beach all day. Right. <laughs> that was the criteria. So the suggestion was, well, why don't you come on the Great Queensland bike ride? You're going to be in the sun. You'll have no choice but to be outside. You'll be riding. You'll be getting healthy at the same time. You've got 800 people you'll get to meet. So social, you know, you've got socialization in spades. Uh, if you don't, like it you can pack up and go home so that was it that was the antidote um, directly from how do I actually find a way to rebuild my life in a way that's healthy uh, and fun off I went first day was 140 kilometers I think I conked out with 3k to go of course because my training was 125 kilometer bike ride the second day I went I can do this by the fourth day I was hooked um, and it was a seven day ride uh, 600 kilometers went home, rocked up to the nearest bike shop and said, what sort of racing bike can I buy that will fit me? And off we went. 1992, you end up joining the Geelong West Cycling Club and within it, I reckon three years, you're state champion, national time trial champion, finished 16th for Australia in the World Championships in Colombia alongside Kathy Watt, a name listeners will know, of course. You became the first female to complete the Warney, the iconic 274 Melbourne to Warnable kilometre race, road race. What had happened to you, Tracy? You've done your research. Wow. What happened was just that sense, that determination that's always been latent um, of I'm going to throw everything into this. It also just happened that I hit my sweet spot. We all have a thing, you know, that automatically we gel with. And so all of those ingredients that I, I just shared with you a few moments ago, they just all came into this melting pot. And the, the outcome of that recipe was just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, loved it. Also had the benefit of a wonderful cohort Port and Geelong cycling at that stage was mostly a male-dominated sport and you can see we'll talk later on about all the inroads hope we do and there was a lot a lot of blokes in Geelong who said this girl's serious you know she's she's not here just to muck around we're going to take her seriously we're going to show her the ropes we're going to show her how hard it is but we're going to look after her very fortunate I was also right place right time there was a pioneer in Australian cycling called Donna Ray Zelensky who competed at the same time as Kathy Watt and she was part of the first women's world championship team for Australia she had just retired in 1992 lived in Geelong had become a coach and so I met her in the first six months and I said Donna 
how do I get a scholarship to the Victorian Institute of Sport? She said, oh, Tracy, you've got to do a few races and you've got to win a few races. Oh, okay. Where's some races? <laughs> so off I went. It was just such a perfect storm of ingredients coming together. And after that, it was just a positive energy system. Um, yes, it was a very rapid rise. But guess what? If you've got that type of energy system, clearly I did. Clearly, whatever can- the cancer and the treatment did to my body, it was able to recover. Um, and it, it is a delight to be able to um, to listen to that journey. Um, it's a journey that others can pursue, not necessarily in cycling, but it just shows if you put your mind to it and the ingredients come together, please just make the most of the opportunities that are in front of you and don't look back. And that's what I would say a lot of that is about. Mm. So the reward for this meteoric rise was a residential scholarship with the AIS, the Australian Institute of Sport in the mid-90s, 95. So the books had been, I imagine, well and truly ditched by this point, Tracy, because the wins kept coming. Canberra Milk Race, 96 white pages to her, AIS Classic Time Trial. How addictive was winning at this point in your life? I imagine you once you've had a fair bit of it, you just want more. Success does break success. You know, achievement does build confidence. And we, we do know that there can be a steamroll effect. I was also part of a system that the AIS had invested in road cycling there was a focus on road cycling there was a focus on a on an elite road cycling program and a dedicated program for women there was a dedicated women's road coach by the name of Andrew Logan there was a very significant high performance setup at the AIS in Canberra and we were we were looked after really well our talents were able to be um, drawn out our potential was maximized so it was a really positive environment that focused on how can we have have these these women get the best out of themselves so it just was again it was another sweet spot in the sporting cycle where there was a cohort of us who had a wonderful time. We were the number one team in the world as a country for quite a while. And were you just drilling into your psyche for a minute, your makeup? Were you a natural competitor or was it white line fever, as they say? Or was that something that you had to work on as the stakes got higher? Because cycling, as many people will know, is a game where it's not always the strongest to win. You need some rat cunning along the way as well. So did you have that inside you or is it something that you learned as much as you did your race craft? Interesting question. I'm not a competitive person in terms of beating other people. You know, for me, coming out on top um, in terms of dominance of, of another person or party isn't isn't what drives me. Maximising potential is what drives me as a human being. Now, whether that's your own potential or the potential of a team or an organisation and a purpose and its impact is what drives me. So in this instance, as an athlete and part of a team, you know, clearly your drive is how do we maximise your physical and mental and capable potential to to win a race? How do you maximise the potential of the team to either help you win or someone in the team win win the race? It was less about beating others, but it was more about what does our potential look like and the impact of that is winning right and then you follow the process so it was that again those ingredients because cycling is very mental you know Mm. it's very very tactical it's very strategic um it's very emotional it's such an emotional sport you know you can't not fall in love with road cycling can you and it's very physical so it takes all of your senses and that's just wonderful we're so totally absorbed in a system and you're part of that system so just four years after you conk out in the first day of the great uh, Queensland bike ride you're going to the Olympics you selected to represent Australia in Atlanta 1996 it's extraordinary but the weather gods weren't smiling on the day of the women's road race take us through the day so Atlanta for those who know uh, that part of America huge extremely hot and humid we trained in cans so we were ready for it it would been dry the whole time of the Olympics so far and it was after that 
it poured on the day. I still remember we started the race with certain wheels and certain brakes because there's a combination that you use in dry and wet weather. We got the call to say it's going to storm. The storm came, hadn't rained for weeks. We were in a tree-lined suburb, um, water running underneath leaves on the ground and uh, pretty good bike skills from all accounts. Touched a brake on a bend and that shouldn't have happened. So as it turned out, the wheels and the brake pads were different for the wet than they should have been down you go so i crashed halfway through the race so the assumption was race over yeah got up finished the race i think i finished about 30th i can't even remember it didn't matter probably talk about devastation from an illness perspective something that happens to you and you deal with it talk about devastation for a build-up and a, and, a, and a high point, a life high point where you put all your energy into, there's nothing you can do other than somehow find a way to reconcile. I stopped in the sport um, for a year after that because I wasn't able to reconcile what had happened um, with things out of your control. But a year later, when I watched a teammate finish second in the world championships, I mean, hang on, you know, this you know, this drive in this sport's not over. And I came back in 1998 and off we went again. So just on that, you, you were 39th for the record. 15 didn't finish. You got up and you finished after the crash. So you're only 27. So was it retirement in your mind or was it time out? I still can't remember. I still can't reconcile what that was, but it was, in my mind, it was an inability to reconcile. So how fortunate or by plan or design or by circumstance that I had a career running and I would always attest that young people you know please have a number of threads going not necessarily all the one focus you know all at the same focus but I'd had my university studies I had a master's underway I had a working career underway I knew I had I always had other things to move on to and as a young female athlete you're not going to make your life living out of the sport not then not quite now for many people, but yeah. we hope for in the future. So I was able to probably shut the shutters down on the grief and the trauma and change direction and move back into a more mainstream, you know, lifestyle until such time that I allowed myself to say, hang on, that fire's not gone out yet. And that distance of space and time had enabled, you know, me without treatment or, you know, or therapy to reconcile my mind that I was ready to come back. And the system, you know, the system being the coaches, the AIS, you know, peers, athletes, friends, welcomed me back into the system, but I did need to take that time out. It was quite clear what happened afterwards that that I wasn't that, that I wasn't done and dusted and coming back was the right thing to do. You're with this is your journey. It's brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. You can get them online at tobinbrothers.com.au. After this break, well, as you heard, Tracy Gaudry's retirement doesn't last long and just as well, because the best was yet to come. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. We're with two-time national cycling champion, Tracy Gaudry. So, Tracy, the moment that you thought, hang on, the flame's not out, you touched on it before the break. I imagine you're watching on uh, on TV at home, um, world championships are on. Can you take us back to that moment where the spark is, uh, is relit, if you like, on your own career? Once your DNA is part of something, it's really hard to, you know, to cut that out of your system. And I've clearly, I've taken a year out. Um, I'm working full time. I'm studying again. 
and I'm riding my bike for fit, you know, for health and fitness. One of my former teammates, uh, Elizabeth Tadich, now Elizabeth Taylor, was a junior coming through, finished second in the Road World Championships, just a super smart, talented bike rider. Wow, isn't that wonderful? And it was such a a, um, a sense of joy over what can be accomplished by um, putting yourself out there taking chances and what it what it demonstrated to me was not if she can do it I can do it too because I was so proud of of Lizzie and we're working on some things together you know in the next couple of months which we'll talk about I was like gosh that drive and determination and spirit and opportunistic I've not lost that let's go so that was the switch and um it was just so immediate it wasn't funny off we went went back and said what do I have to do to get back into the system and a bit like four years ago you got to ride your bike you got to start winning races you got to show us that your potential is still there and obviously we'll give you some leeway for having had a year off but you got to do the hard work and so off I went and did all the hard work and off we and you know we can talk about the next few years after that yeah so you signed up for the Tour de Femme. I think it was maybe not strictly an amateur race, but obviously a, a race in Canberra that attracted around 500 women. Now, you're out sprinted through the final corner by another upcoming junior in Alison Wright, who uh, who went on to win. But a bit like the great Queensland bike ride, you know, five years earlier, it just reinforces that the juices are still flowing here. And you find your legs quickly and you're represented to, uh, picked to represent the national team on a European tour in 98. Now, Hard racing on the continent, obviously, but you form a nice little partnership with Anna Wilson. You get some nice results there and you catch the eye of a couple of professional teams as well. I do. Um, amazing what you're bringing back up because, you know, um, Alison and Anna and Lizzie and Kathy, wonderful human beings who are all doing great things now in different fields. Again, it's just seizing the opportunity, leveraging the support and resources around you and finding a way and never giving in. Again, you can see there's clearly a huge fuel tank. You know, there's a big fuel tank there there's a system that's working and it just goes to show that this sport is not necessarily a sport for super young people it's a sport that's enduring and we have athletes as cyclists competing well into their 30s and hitting their peak so I was um, went to the Commonwealth Games in 1998 you know a year after coming back from retirement and uh, yes my name and brand landed on the desk of Jenny Bongo who at that time was the world's winningest ever cyclist and she's a legend you know in in you know in every way uh, and she'd set up her own team called le bleu which is uh, french for a wheat product she said i want this person here's a piece of paper sign it and off we go didn't make it that easy for her though how was your french at that stage French is pretty average. Uh, when you travel around the world, you typically learn enough to get yourself through ordering your food and your bread and your coffee. Uh, please yeah. and thank you. Uh, where's the accommodation, please? You know, some pretty basic things. Yeah. And when in the period of negotiation and James Victor was my coach at the time, I said, James, you know, this is a big ask to, to uproot and go overseas to France. I managed to negotiate through fax machine. Faxing was the way you dealt with things. <laughs> we had to translate stuff from French to English. There was no there was no base salary there was no base provision for accommodation there was no return trip to Australia mid-season you know it was pretty much a living allowance so I managed to build into it a monthly allowance I managed to build into it confirmed accommodation and ground transport when I wasn't competing managed to build into it a return trip back home and also to have uh, with me on the team, another Australian woman called Juanita Feldhahn, who was a Queensland superstar, so that there are two of us, two Aussies on the same team. So we had some solidarity and some support. So two Aussies did a negotiation over a couple of nights and jumped on a plane uh, in early 1999 
to France for our best season ever. It, it was. It was your coming of age year in every sense. And you, you went chips in, though. I mean, you didn't muck around. You set up in Chambry in the French Alps. So you, you went all the way in. You relocated. You set yourself up. You won the Tour de Snowy. But the big one was the Australian uh, Cycling Championships of that year. You beat Cathy Watt in a two-up sprint on the Gold Coast. And you're the queen of Australian cycling in 99. It was a big year. Uh, I wouldn't say I was the queen because we had uh, we were firing on all cylinders. Anna Wilson ended up number one in the world and I ended up number three in the world. When you think about that, you know, we were the best women's road team in the whole world. We were, we were racing on different teams. We were breeding from that success breed success model. Um, we threw everything into it. We had nothing to lose. We had the confidence of our respective teams around us. We had our national team coaches behind us um, when we needed them. And we had the confidence of the system in us. We had to stay healthy. We had to not be, we had to not be lonely because it can be really lonely over there. Uh, and there was a sense of solidarity amongst the Australians whether, wherever they were. We had a great year that year. We won the Women's World Cup. We were the top ranked nation in the world and Anna ended up finishing second in the World Championships road race that year. And you're racing in the Belgian Ardennes, the south of France, Switzerland, Italy, the US. You're travelling the world. And yeah, there are. it's not all glitz and glamour, but you must look back on this point of your life with, with such nostalgia. Do you get the slideshow out and show the kids from time to time? Oh, they're not too interested in that. <laughs> you know, they, they can see, you know, if, you, if we pan around the room, there's a few things on the wall on the other side. They're so used to it. It's, yeah. you know, yeah, whatever, mum. One year we did pull out a couple of bags sitting in the garage and out come all of the Olympic memorabilia and, you know, that, there's some nice photos of the kids playing dress-ups. That's about as that's about as much as it is. But I would, I would admit and acknowledge that that year, 1999, was a year of blossoming and it is one where if we do indulge ourselves from time to time when, you know, maybe when your chips are down and things aren't going well, you say, okay, what does it feel like when things are going really well? That was the year where you think, Everything came together. A lot of hardship, though. I mean, you know, thirty-five thousand kilometres ridden that year. Yeah. A lot of time alone. You know, you know, a lot of crashes. Um, and for every win, there's probably you know twenty or thirty losses. But it does show when the chips, when everything comes together, what what can happen and what wonderful what wonderful things can happen. Life in the fast lane, huh? And just on the World Cup in Montreal. Now, was that win made all the more remarkable by the build-up? Is it is it right that you such was the the hectic nature of that year? You're coming and going. You're flying here, there and everywhere. You landed at the wrong airport in Canada. One of the pinnacle races was the World Cup in Montreal, Mont-Royal. There was a, for me, it was a bit of a nemesis because I was always scared of the descent in the rain. So this year I was going to fix that. And it was two days after the last race in France, which I had won. So I had to get from Brittany in northwest France, for those who know France, back to Paris, onto a plane the next morning, get to Canada and the race was the next day. Oh. They couldn't find my ticket at the airport. Check-in had closed. The doors were closed. So I pulled it. I pulled out my cash prize money and bought another ticket. Got as on the plane. You, as you do. As you do. And got off the plane and it was night time. The race was the next morning. And I was in the airport, the other airport uh, at Montreal. The team was picking me up on the other side of town. Got back to the hotel at, you know, 10.30 at night. And they said, Tracy, we haven't got you registered in the team because your own team's not here. So no, not only was I at the end of a season where I should have just gone home and rested for two weeks, had travelled, you know, nonstop for two days, arrived at the airport, um, arrived at the hotel, team couldn't register 
to me. So we had to do some political negotiations and got there. And on the next day, got up on the start line with no warm up. And um, they said to me, oh, the, the route map that we gave you last night, the route's changed. It's different. <laughs> so I had to spend the first two or three laps getting familiar with what, what I was racing on. You could see I was exhausted, just somehow found a way. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Incredible. Yeah. We're talking to Tracy Gordry, of course, on This Is Your Journey, and it's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Well, from the peloton to the boardroom, we'll chart Tracy's move into administration next. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey, thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934, and Tracy Gordry has been our guest today. And Tracy, you certainly can't be accused, I don't think, of uh, allowing yourself to get comfortable. You don't sit still for long in the administration world. Is this how you like it, or is it a combination of factors that have contributed to have you um, have so many strings to your bow over the last, what, two decades? I guess one of the things is when you've been through a lot of adversity in life, you know, the cancer, um, growing up in, you know, in Gippsland, starting a life in Gippsland, where there's quite a lot of hardship, you know, and um, one thing you learn is you've got to do the work, you've got to lean in, roll up your sleeves. Things don't happen if you uh, wait for others to take care of business for you. So one of the things I learn is if you want to get things done or you see things that where you think there could be a better outcome or there could be a better result, you can sit on the outside and throw, you know, you can throw rocks at the tent or you can get on the inside and work with the system to fix and improve. And so probably over, probably over emphasize that aspect over a few years, but I've always been one to say, gosh, there's an opportunity here. How can I help? How can I be part of that? And so a lot of my career has been born of being able to tackle the hard stuff and being probably someone that people could reach out to to say, we've got some, you know, we've got some heavy lifting to do here. Would you come in and help? You know, probably now a bit later on in life, I'm starting to to soften the shoulders a bit and to say, okay, actually, you don't have to take it all on yourself. You know, let's actually share that and let's actually slow down, invest in bringing others up to be able to do that. And that's where this next phase of career is. But my work with the Amy Gillett Foundation, you know, to to work with Duncan Murray and the board and the team and Mary Mary and Dennis Safe and Simon Gillett um, to move from being a a, a, a well-meaning, well-intentioned organisation improving um, bicycle safety. Um, in the aftermath of tragedy, we needed to move from the purpose to the impact. And I was able to, you know, to lead the team to deliver what is now 10 years later, five years after I moved on, um, you know, change legislation in every single state of Australia. Yeah. So learning to have sow the seeds, get the momentum going, have have systems moving in the right direction and step back so that others can t- continue the journey. And that's been something that I've been focusing on. UCI, we can talk about that as well, why I came involved and, you know, what that was all about. Yeah, I mean, the Amy Gillett Foundation just goes from strength to strength, and uh, Amita Matters is a great thing, so they're getting stronger all the time. Uh, Australian Sports Commission as well, uh, General Manager of Athletics Australia, General Manager Jacobs Australia, Asada Violation Panelist, CEO of uh, Hawthorne in the AFL, CEO of Respect Victoria, we mentioned earlier, and now obviously Community Unity Plus Services, and as you just touched on, a variety of roles with the UCI Cycling's governing body, including that of Vice President, and you sit on the executive at the Oceana Cycling Federation as 
as well. And I've probably left a stack of other things off. It's amazing what you fit in when you read it all out back to front. Yeah, probably a few few more things that, that have been fit in than um, normally one would bite off. Again, many of the governance roles have been about being in the right place at the right time where there's an opportunity to make a difference or a need for a step change. Um, and UCI was a big part of that. It had been, going, it had been the, the Lance Armstrong reason decision had come out. You know, cycling was at a lot all-time low in terms of ethics, integrity, reputation. And, you know, I was a clean skin. I had a I had the pedigree in cycling, so I had the mm. had the respect in the system, I had the management skills, I had a role with the Amy Gillett Foundation, and I had, you know, the ability to to get in and, and use knowledge and expertise and experience but also um, being on Australia's anti-doping panel, uh, clearly, you know, clearly focusing on the right things. It was a time to go in and create change and be part of that change. Your respect and your experience speaks for itself, but speaking of things that you perhaps in hindsight you might not have bitten off, was, was Hawthorne one of those? That's the one that jumps off the page. So you're there for half a year, five to six months in 2017. You're the game's first female CEO, and it is now great to have multiple presidents, female presidents of clubs across the competition. How do you look back on on this time at the hall. Yeah, it's a really um, relevant um, element of my career um, to, to focus on. Uh, and I really appreciate it, actually, because uh, for everyone's life, there are times where things and decisions we make result in, you know, give, give the intended result and outcome. And there are times where circumstances don't come together to, for that perfect match to occur. You can see, as we've had this conversation, there are many moments where, you know, all of the ingredients came together in this wonderful melting pot and we we, and, and we is the right word, we turned out something beautiful, you know. Amy Gillett Foundation, sporting career, the health, the work with the Respect Victoria, UCI and now Community Plus. Hawthorne was at a time where, as as many listeners would know, um, that, um, you know, around 2016, 17, a lot of focus on the role of women in leadership positions and continues, isn't that wonderful? Um, a lot of focus on how do we um, address a lack of diversity, not just gender diversity, but backgrounds coming from outside of systems to help change systems up whether it be cultural diversity, LGBTIQ plus status, geographic. And for all the right intention, the club saw an opportunity to bring diversity into its mix. The winningest club, what's its next thing? And I was an obvious choice for someone who could change things up, bring diversity in and realise great outcomes. The outcome of this set of ingredients didn't give that perfect solution. The recipe didn't come together and mix into a perfect result. And the best way I can describe it with respect to all parties, including myself, is what, what we're all parts of the system ready for the change. You know, when you're going to herald um, a change and celebrate a change, is the system ready for what it's going to take to realise the value of that change and invest in the process? And that's one thing I've learned as a leader is you come in as a CEO uh, or you come in as a general manager or as a board member, um, but what is the whole system doing to support that individual in their role? Because it's a team effort to realise success and what are we aiming for? It was a big learning curve for me. It took a long time to get over, let's be honest about it. Yeah. Um, and I took a lot from that in terms of the roles I'm taking now which are very much focused on how do we create positive outcomes for people at a community and impact level and what can I do to impart knowledge and experience and lifting others up to play their role. One thing I wanted to quickly point out, if you were willing, was it might have been even only been in your second day of the job where your husband, Tony, has a serious health scare. I mean, you talk about things not lining up how they have in the past. I mean, this is something wildly outside our control and like any person in this situation, everything else 
piles into insignificance when it comes to health and loved ones? He ended up in intensive care and in hospital uh, in that first week. Uh, there's three teenage kids. I'm in a new role. I've got my UCI role. Uh, I'd stepped away from the Australian Olympic Committee. Um, and what it hap- what what ended up happening was the perfect storm of things not lining up. And if anyone's listening, um, if I share that for that next four months, I could hardly breathe. You'd probably understand. It felt like I was sucking in oxygen every single day just to be able to draw in enough energy to be able to keep all of the balls in the air. And you know what? Um, let's realize as human beings or as systems, there's only so much that can that you can bear. Yeah. So for me, that was another signal. One, your family member is desperately ill. Two, you've got three children to sustain. And there's a lot of other things going on. Guess what? Family life's pretty hectic. Yeah. That was probably one visible manifestation of that this was not the right time, not the right place. And the pressure on these shoulders let's be honest, was exorbitant. The pressure of taking responsibility for the success of the decision of the club, um, I do believe that was probably something that was underestimated, certainly by myself, but possibly by the club and by the system is what pressure we're placing on one person's shoulders for success. It was too much. And with the family situation, uh, Tony's health uh, and, and our other things that, you know, other things in life, it was certainly too much and uh, it took a long time to get over. But when you come into a system and you're not part of it, the support structure around you is not as strong there and certainly my family my friends and my cycling support structure is what got me through over that next probably 12 months or so to happier things before we depart i left an important role you fill off your resume the melbourne to warrnambool is about to expand to include a women's race this year it's going to be the longest women's one day classic in the world come february 160 kilometres, it's from Colac to Warrnambool. You sit on the executive there as the, the patron of the race. Of course, you're the first female to finish the event alongside the men back in the day. Women's place in cycling at this time, we touched on off the top. How you were perceived and welcomed in the early 90s, how does it compare to now? Are you proud of the evolution, albeit we all want it to turn, the pages to turn a bit quicker? I'm delighted with the evolution. Yes, we wanted it earlier. You know, we want when we achieve things, we want them sooner. Um, but I'd say where we are now... Um, is the result of so much positive energy and intent. Uh, I was fortunate back in, you know, 1994 to be welcomed by the men's peloton, but I was an outsider coming in and welcomed in. Aren't we Aren't we so fortunate now, 25, nearly 30 years later, that globally uh, women are not only welcomed but celebrated uh, for their skills, their experience, their know-how and the value add? What I really want, and Karen Jones, who is the, the race promoter, said in the, in the media is, I want us to stop talking about women. I want us to talk about the people and the roles they play. But there has been a point made for this event. There is a women's standalone warning, which is wonderful, and I'll be in the race car, not on the bike. <laughs> Um, Elizabeth Taylor, who I mentioned before, who was Elizabeth Taddish coming second in the World Championships in 1997, is the race director. Karen Jones is a female race promoter. We have a female chief commissaire. So it's an all-women executive team. Um, Karen's purpose is to say this is to demonstrate for the first ever women's warning we're having a women's executive team, all people who've been part of the system who are now shining to demonstrate to the next generation 
you can do anything you want to, but guess what? Next generation, it won't be about your gender. It'll be about your capability and your potential. And, and Very excited. Yeah. Can't wait. And so, and so it should be. And we've got the World Championships in Wollongong coming up uh, in September as well. So it's a big year for cycling in the country. Tracy, thanks a lot for donating your time today. I mean, it has been a life of first. So whether it be on two wheels or in the administration space, your professional cycling resume is eye-catching. And you've not only given back to that sport, but you've gone on to dedicate your expertise to delivering improved outcomes for people and communities through your various organisations. So well done on all you achieved and continue to achieve. And thanks a lot for, for joining us. Thanks very much, Sam. Great to be on today. And thanks for joining us. Also, you've been listening to This Is Your Journey for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Jump online to find them at tobinbrothers.com.au and we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.